Believe and Live, I've entitled the message. Through the ages, past, present, and I would even venture to say, as we look into the future, man has had a desire to know God. Man certainly, through all those centuries, and before us today, have seen and continue to see the effects of sin. And we have desires to know about life and to know about life after death and to know if there be a God who that true God is and what he's like and to walk with him. Is this attainable? The answer is yes, it is attainable. You and I started on a journey four years ago, actually, and for those of you who have been here all this time, in which we began a study of the fourth gospel, as it's known, and the gospel according to John. And after today, Lord willing, we have but one chapter left in that study and exposition of this marvelous book. And as I look back, even over my notes, the very first message that I gave in relationship to this gospel account, we noted the purpose of the writing of this book. And I have repeated these verses for those of you who have been here, especially through the four years, over and over again. There is no doubt to the, be left to the human mind as to why John, from his perspective, recorded what he has recorded. Verse 31 is clear. It is so that you may believe. You may believe what? That Jesus specifically, that Jesus is the anointed one. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. Why is that important? So that believing you again might have life. What life? Eternal life. Life more abundant. And it only comes by means of or through his name. And so I begin with the question this morning, where are you? It is very possible for some of you to have been here for the full four years of exposition, verse by verse, through this gospel account, know all of the verbiage, and like children who maybe even attend Christian academies, like fellowship, who know all the right words and could tell you how to get saved, and you yourself have not truly come to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Still doubt. There's still a wonder. Is it really him? Is there really a Messiah? It's very possible that you've been here longer coming to Fellowship Bible Church and you're in the same boat. Where are you? You say, but Pastor Dan, I, for me, I've come to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ long before even coming to Fellowship Bible Church. Well, praise the Lord. But how significant is that to you? Like we just sang, I love thee, Lord. Was that just words coming out? 
Or was that a heart that in deep meditation as you were singing that, really was saying, Lord, your gift is unsearchable, it is unexplainable, it is wonderful, and I love you because you first loved me. When we sang How Great Thou Art, was it coming from a heart that really, truly was trying to comprehend those two simple words of scripture, S-O, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son? Is it coming from that grateful heart? So we want to take a look today. This is unusual for the way I normally would be through this and right into chapter 21. We're just going to stick to verses 30 and 31 of John chapter 21 because John has said that this is his purpose. And how was he going to accomplish that purpose of helping us to see that Jesus is the Christ? He said that he accomplished it in two ways. By recording not all, but some signs, some miracles. He says many others that the Lord Jesus Christ do and he performed and he says they're not written in this book. He has also recorded events in the life of Jesus Christ, some events. Why? So that through what he has recorded and what we have spent four years studying and what we have looked at would cause conviction and convince the heart of the truths that are written herein. And so this morning what I wanted to do before we get to chapter 21, which will begin, Lord willing, next week as we wind the book down, was to review some of the evidence that is there to challenge us. And if you are one that is here today and fall into that first category, that you've heard it all, you've seen it, you've been here for the exposition, and have even verbally maybe consented, but your heart is unsure, we want to take a look at some things so that you would see what John recorded, so that you would see that Jesus is the Christ. And there'd be no doubt by the time you leave here. And for those of us who have trusted, that we might be stirred up with a fresher zeal once again to be reminded what John has recorded, so that we not only would know that we have eternal life, but would be bold in our confidence of witnessing and bearing witness and testimony that this is the Christ, the Son of God, and so that others in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our contacts, would truly come to believe, because it's not going to be by our intelligence. It is not going to be by our simple trying to convince them, but by the Word of God. So let's consider, first of all, the signs, the miracles that John has recorded. Now, obviously, I am going to bounce through them. We have studied them in debt, but I want you to see some things. But before we go too far, there may be some here that didn't get the benefit of understanding. First of all, when he talks about signs, he says many other signs Jesus did perform, but he didn't record them all here. But he did record some signs, and I'm going to review those in a moment. Now, what do we mean signs? We mean miracles. Now today when people talk miracles, they're usually thinking in terms of sensationalism, in terms of entertainment, or even some meeting that's coming together where hopefully some miracles will be performed to impress some people for the sake of impressing them and give them some hope mainly and usually for physical benefits, something that will benefit us in a temporary way. 
That is not why John wrote and recorded the miracles that he did. And one thing that I do want you to see, just turn with me for one moment to another gospel. Go to Matthew 11 for just a moment. Matthew chapter 11, before we start our journey through John again. And in Matthew chapter 11, I want you to see really what the purpose in general in Scripture is for these miracles that Jesus did do. So whether you're studying John or anyone else, it's to help you to come to believe that he's the Christ. Why? <coughs> well, it shows you here, and it uses John the Baptist, so I wanted to go back there. Matthew 11, verses 2 to 5 for just a moment. And when John, this is John the Baptist, while in prison, heard the works of Christ... He sent word by his disciples. Now, this is the, uh, the disciple, John the Baptist. And he says to them, Are you the expected one? Is Jesus Christ the one who is the coming one? Is he the one who was the Messiah, really? The Christ? Or shall we look for somebody else? And I want you to notice what Jesus says. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and report to John what you hear and see. What is that? The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Was he telling them this because he was looking for some type of entertainment or some simple impression with something? No. He wanted to know who are you? Are you the expected one? Are you the Messiah? And Jesus Christ said, go back and tell them what you've heard and what you've seen in the miracles that have been done. Why? Because here is the primary purpose of miracles, folks. It is to authenticate who Jesus Christ is. It was not for some entertainment business. It was not for some meeting that would get somebody rich on a Saturday night. It was for the purpose of showing you who he is so that you would come, even John the Baptist, to be assured that this is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now let's take a look at them. There were actually several that we've seen in John, and not a lot. But let's go all the way back to John chapter 2 in our Bibles. He wrote these signs, so let's look at first of all, Consider the miracles of the signs that John did record. And what happened? In John chapter 2, I will not read it all because we'd never get through them all. <clears throat> In John chapter 2, verses 1 to 11, very, very familiar to us. What is it? It is where he is at the wedding feast of Cana. And he takes water and turns it into wine. That is miraculous. No one can do that other than God or God allowing a disciple to do it. But he takes the water and he changes it to wine. It was observed by whom? It was observed by the servants. They knew what he did. It was observed by the dinner guests. They spoke about it. It was observed by his disciples. But what was the whole purpose? Just to further the celebration? Just to help them enjoy this miraculous event of changing water to wine? Take a look at verse 11. 
This beginning of the what? Signs, pretty consistent with what John says in John chapter 20. This beginning of signs, Jesus did. This is Jesus. He did it in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory. And notice what happened. What does it say? You tell me. The disciples believed in him. Purpose accomplished. When they saw the miracle, they didn't just go out and say, hey, let's get a party next Saturday night. See who else we can get to come and enjoy some wine. No. They get the message. In fact, you know the story. He wasn't even going to do anything, and his mother said, just listen and pay attention. Do whatever he says. And this first miracle Jesus did, and it was his own disciples, the own ones that were walking with him, the own, his own ones that he had picked out, and he did this, why? So that they themselves would believe and would understand who Jesus is. Go with me to the second one, John chapter 4. These are the signs that we have seen. John chapter 4, marvelous, marvelous situation. Here we have the woman at the well. And uh, actually, before we get, uh, yeah, let's go to chapter 4, verse 46. You have the woman at the well in the beginning, okay, and others come to believe because they hear what he said. But I'll come back to that one. But you have a miracle here. There is a man or an official that has a son. And you pick it up in verse 46. Therefore he came to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. We just scanned that. And if you look at verse 54, it says, this is again a second sign. So here's the second sign that John is recording. And what happened? Jesus healed this man's son without even going anywhere. Look at verse 50. Jesus said to him, go, your son lives. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke, and he started off. And what happened? Jesus didn't even follow him. He healed his son, and I want you to look at verse 53. In verse 53. So the father knew that it was at the hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives, and watch. And he himself believed, and what? His whole household. These miracles were not just to heal people, folks. These were impossible situations. In fact, he thought that he could be dead by now. The wine changed from water was an impossible situation. These are why John is recording them. But in the midst of these, it is Jesus alone that's doing it. And through it, people are coming to believe. John chapter 5, very next chapter in the book. We come to another situation, a paralytic man. He can't get healed. He goes down to this water that he's hoping to get healed from and to be stirred up. If the water's good, stirred up and someone to place him in. And he is helpless. He is hopeless. And what happens? Verse 8, Jesus simply says to this man, get up, pick up your pallet and walk. What is the result? Verse 9. Immediately the man became well, picked up his pallet, and began to walk. This man had tried everything else. Nobody had helped him. 
<clears throat> it was another impossible situation, and John records this one. And the idea that John records this one is no one can do it. Jesus clearly has done it. Why? Now, is he going to do this? Look at verse 14. Afterward, Jesus found him. Who's him? The man he just healed. Notice this. Found him in the temple and said to him, Behold, you have become well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. In this particular situation, as we studied it, you find out that whatever he was suffering, God allowed it because of sin. It's not always because of sin, but it was. Why? He wanted that man to be convicted of sin. And to have that man understand that the one that healed you physically, as we studied this passage before, was the only one that could heal you spiritually as well. And he wanted him to examine that. The fourth miracle that John recorded is one that's in all the Gospels. It's in John chapter 6. Let's go there. The feeding of the 5,000. Who can feed 5,000 with a little bit of bread and two fishes? Sometimes hard to feed, to feed a whole family with a 20-pound turkey. And yet he takes up simple loaves, two fishes, has everybody sit down, and 5,000 at least plus. Why was he doing this? Well, look at verse 6 first. This he was saying to test them or him. Why? For he himself knew what he was intending to do. Jesus wanted his disciples to be tested. He knew he was going to allow all the people to be fed. Another impossible situation, feeding 5,000 people with a few loaves and a few fishes. And yet Jesus did it. Why? Just for the sake of people to eat more so that crowds will come and want more food? They actually did follow him for a little bit of that reason. Go down to verse 14. Therefore, when the people saw the what? Sign. Now the fourth one recorded in John. Which he had performed, they said what? This is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. Who's he identifying him? He's the Messiah. That was the purpose of the miracle. It wasn't just for the sake of entertainment. It wasn't for the sake of feeding. It wasn't even a situation that anyone else could do. Only the true Messiah could do this. Was he getting the reaction that he expected or that he wanted? Yes. These signs that John's recording and that we have studied, why think about Cana or Galilee? So that we can have a theological debate over whether it was grape juice or wine, you fool. It's got nothing to do with that. It's got everything to do with you understanding that only Christ could do that. A man that could speak and simply heal somebody without even going to him or the servant asking to be healed. His master did. To see that Jesus' spoken word was enough and they could come to believe. To feel, feed 5,000 people just so they won't be hungry again? No. The people saw the extent of the miracle. They saw what was going on. And they knew 
that a prophet was to come in after Moses. They knew that someone was going to be sent by God who could be a true deliverer, not just for the physical. It was accomplishing their purpose, his purpose. The fifth one came up in John chapter 6, verses 16 to 21. Let's scan there again. Interesting passage again. That's a brief one. He ends up walking on water. Why? So that people can debate whether there was a sandbar there and all of that stuff. How foolish. How foolish. Why did he come walking on the water? He had stilled the wind before this. What was going on? Look at verse 19. Then when they had rowed about for three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near to the boat. Here's man with all his effort, just like salvation. We will get to God through religion. We will get to God through doing things. We will get to God through good works. No, they were trying to get out of the storm and difficulty with all their might, their own way. And Jesus simply comes walking across the water and they were frightened. That was their reaction. By the way, it's interesting, John doesn't give the response here. I want you to turn to this one. Go with me to Matthew 14 because I want you to see what it says. It's the same instance. Matthew chapter 14. We did look at this when we studied it out. This is the rest of the story when uh, you have the situation. If you look back in uh, Matthew chapter 14, beginning in verse 22, you begin to see it's the same thing. And then Peter wanted to walk with him, remember? Then he begins to sink. He gives the, the more detail than John did. But he gives the reaction is what I really want you to catch. Immediately, Jesus stretches out his hand in verse 31. He says, oh, ye of little faith, they get into the boat. Now watch verse 33. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, You are certainly what? God's son. Son of God. What was the purpose of these signs that John's recorded? Why have we studied these and John has come through? And to show us what? Just miracles? Someone I can go to to make me feel good? No. It caused them to see, You're the prophet that's to come. It caused them to see, you are the son of God. What about the healing of the blind man? That was the next one, number six. Let's go back to John in John chapter 9. Was the man looking to be healed? No. He was sitting there. He was born blind. And then you have Jesus come along and his disciples are even wondering, who sinned this time? You know, the other guy sinned, we know that, so this has got to be sin, right? And that's the way their thinking is. No, this isn't even sin. Why is he going to do another impossible situation? Somebody born blind from birth, he's not going to send him to a doctor. He's going to heal him, do an impossible situation. Again, why? For the dynamic nature of it, so that people would be able to talk about it and just talk about the miracle? I don't think so. It's really to point out to who he is, and he simply spits on the ground. Verse 6, he said to him, go and wash, and he sends him, and what happens? He goes and washes. This is a long one. It goes all the way down to verse 41. I won't read it all, but you know the story. He goes to the disciples, and they know what's happened. He comes now to the leadership, the priest, and they can't deny a miracle, but they don't want to believe it was Jesus that did it. 
And so now they go to the parents, and the parents say, look, he's our son. He's old enough. We don't want to get in trouble. We don't want to get kicked out of the temple. Go to him. Ask him. We don't even care that much about our son. You go ask him. And then he gets interviewed several times. What happened? Well, he says, uh, I came, and this man named Jesus healed me, plain and simple. And they go on, and this is the part I do want you to get to. What about the reaction? They go on and they say, don't give the credit to him. He, it's got to be only God and whatever, and this man's a sinner, and we know he's a sinner. And here it is, the man that's been blind from his birth, and you pick it up in uh, verse 35. Jesus heard that they had put him out of the temple, and this is after he says, this is a marvelous thing. We know that God could only do this, and you think this man has not from God. So Jesus meets up with the guy, look at verse 35, and he said, do you believe what? In the Son of Man? He answered, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. And he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. What was the purpose of this sign? What was the purpose of this miracle? To just heal the blind man? No. Why have we been studying these things? Why do you go through the Gospel of John? Why do you read your Bible? So that you might understand some fascinating things and to see some nice stories? No. It's to make you to come to believe that Jesus is the Christ. Then we came to chapter 11. How about Lazarus? Well, we all know the story of Lazarus. Chapter 11, we're all the way through the chapter, and you're certainly down through 44. Another impossible situation? Yes. And this is what people really want. They want to see somebody raised from the dead. Who could do that? Only God. Is he really dead? Maybe he's not dead. Well, I think uh, that kind of gets sealed for us because he stinks. How do we know that? Well, try verse 39 on for size. Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha says, the sister of the deceased, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he's been dead for four days. This guy's as dead as dead can be. And Jesus raises him from the dead. Why? Isn't it interesting that it comes from the Pharisees? Look at verse 45. Therefore many of the Jews came to Mary, saw what had been done, believed on him. Some of the Pharisees, they didn't like the idea. Verse 47, therefore the chief priests and the Pharisees convened a council. What are we going to do? This man's performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, all men will believe in him. Imagine that. What's the purpose of this Bible? What's the purpose of him writing this? What's the purpose of these miracles? So that you today wouldn't be like the Pharisees, but that you would come to believe. And it's interesting, by the way, because as you go on in that passage, if you remember, we studied it, and they actually prophesy about one coming to die for the nation and fulfill scripture, even a resurrection. Now, some of you have been through all of that. A blind man's been healed. Lazarus raised from the dead. Water changed to wine, just a few. And then the last one that we studied together was the resurrection of Jesus Christ himself. 
And what was the situation there as we came all the way ahead to John chapter 20? As we came ahead to John chapter 20 with the sign, and there is going to be one more in chapter 21. But the last one that we looked at, another impossible situation. Mary saw him, the disciples saw him, and now Thomas saw the resurrected Jesus Christ. And what was the purpose of that miracle? Well, how about where we left off last week, verse 28. Thomas answered and said to him, what? I'm glad you did the miracle. Let's do another one. No. He has the best reaction out of all the disciples. My Lord and my God. And Jesus says to him, because you've seen me and you believe, blessed are those who did not see me. We addressed that last week. That is you and that is me. And yet believe. The purpose of all of John's writing, he says, the signs that I have recorded, and I just walked you through very quickly, the eight signs that we've seen to this date, every single one of them that John recorded was for the purposes of people understanding that Jesus is the Christ. And not only that, if that's not enough, he then wants us to consider the other things that he's written. What has he written? Let me go through with lightning speed on these. Go back to John chapter 1. Back to John 1. Here's some of the things. John chapter 1, verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Who's that? Jump down to verse 17. For the law was given by Moses. Grace and truth were received or realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten of God, who is in the bosom of the Father, he hath explained him. Who is this? God in the flesh. That's what John's recorded. John the Baptist, in your responsive reading, John chapter 1, verse 29, said what? Behold the Lamb of God. That is the Messiah. That is the Christ. What do you mean the Lamb of God? The sacrifice, he says, that would take away the sin of the world. Who is it that can take away your sin? Some priest, minister, cousin, uncle, aunt? No. Only the Lamb of God. And John has recorded these things that we might understand and believe. What happened with Nathaniel, chapter 1, verse 49? We tell people to come and see. Well, Philip says to, his, to Nathaniel in verse 46, come and see. Nathaniel comes and runs over to Christ. What has been recorded? Look at verse 49. Nathaniel answers and says, Rabbi, you are the son of God and are the king of Israel. Why all of this taking place? Why have people come to Fellowship Bible Church or another church if you attend there or a home Bible study or a Bible club? Why have them come? So we have a good party at the house and we can tell people we had 50 people over. No. So that they might come and hear the word of God. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So that they might come to be confronted with the truth. To realize, don't go sinning anymore. Come, repent, bow on your knee. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Nathaniel saw it right away. 
What about Nicodemus? Chapter 3 we saw in God's account through the gospel according to John. Nicodemus chapter 3 verse 2. This man came to Jesus by night. He's a Pharisee. He's an older man. Does he really in his heart want the other Pharisees and Sadducees to know what he's thinking? No. Why? Because he's part of a group and he's concerned about what they think of him. But he's curious. He wants to know. He wants to know for sure in his heart. So he comes and he says this in verse 2. We know that you have come from God. Who's he talking about? Jesus Christ. Is Jesus Christ nothing more than a good example to you as some religious figure? John has written that you might understand that Jesus Christ came from God. This is not just some religious name. And here you've got a teacher that comes to him. And he says, for no one can do these signs. We just looked at some of them. None of, no one can do this except God be with him. And this is the famous passage that says, unless you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Why did he ask can a man enter into his mother's womb a second time? Because he wanted to know himself. Time won't allow it, but as we've gone through John, you find John at the end, he's there. He's a disciple of Jesus. The woman at the well I mentioned, I wanted to come back to that one now, but in John chapter 4, let me, time's running away. Let me just look at verse 29. Here's the woman at the well. The Lord comes to her. The disciples didn't even want him to speak to her, but he does. And he gets, she gets told all about her life, in essence. And you come down to verse 29, and what does she do? She runs to the men of the village, and she says, Come and see a man who told me all things that I have done. Now notice what she says. This is not the Christ, is he? Why did John write these things? So that you would understand that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you would have life through his name. And what happened, by the way? The men came and they said, now we don't believe him because of what you said. We've heard him for ourselves, and they came to believe. He's the bread of life, chapter 6, verses 33 to 35. We come to Peter, chapter 6. I'm bouncing over these. Go with me to chapter 6 with Peter. Look at verses 68 and 69 of chapter 6. Why is this all recorded here? Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? This is when other people were leaving him. Remember this? You have the words of eternal life. Who does? Jesus Christ does. We are dealing with your eternal destiny with my eternal destiny, with men and women's eternal destiny. We have believed and have come to know, watch this, that you are the Holy One of God, the Anointed of God, the One that was to come, the Messiah. Jesus Christ is not just a religious figure. This book has been saturated. And as we've spent four years, we've been looking at this saturated, not with the purpose of just finding out what John says, but find out what he's recorded and what he said so that you might come to believe, like these did, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Let me give you a few more. I won't give you all that I have here. But how about chapter 7 again? Jump down to verse 31, time's sake. But many of the crowd 
believed in him, and they were saying, isn't this interesting, when the Christ comes, will he perform more signs than those in this man? Will he? Isn't that what the Christ is supposed to do? And many came to believe. We learn that he's the light of the world. We learn in John chapter 8 that before Abraham was born, look at verse 58, before Abraham was born, Jesus Christ said, I am. Only God could say that. Why was that recorded? So we could debate over this 50 years of age in verse 57? How foolish. How foolish. It is Jesus who said in chapter 10, let's look very quickly, verses 8 and 9, or verse 7, I am the door. All who came before me, all who came before me are robbers, they're thieves. I am the door, verse 9. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. You want to be saved from your sins? You want to enter into eternal life? It is only through the door. It is Jesus Christ who said he was the door. In verse 11, he says he's the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. He says it again. Look at verse 14. He's the good shepherd. That's who we learned. You come to chapter 12 of John's account as we move forward to 20. Come to chapter 12. Jump down to verses 12 and 13. These are the crowds and what we know as we study this. Right? We know this is Palm Sunday. What happened? Verse 12, chapter 12. On the next day, the large crowd came, had come to the feast. When they heard Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches of the palm trees, went out to meet him, and began to shout, Hosanna! What is that? Salvation! Who's doing this? The people. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Who is this Jesus? He's the Messiah, the Son of God. Go tell John the Baptist what I've been doing. Who is this? Can anybody tell me all that's gone on in my life and not be the Christ and really know it and know me inside out? Come and see. Is not this the Christ? Coming in on the donkey. Fulfilling Zechariah 9.9. When he washes the disciples' feet, chapter 13. Look at verse 13. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. He's who? Lord. John chapter 14. We know it well. Verse 6. It was Jesus that said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father, but by me. John chapter 17. Let's bounce over a few of the others. Go to John chapter 17. Just a review of everything we've learned in the past four years. John chapter 17. Look at verse 5. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself. Remember this? With the glory which I had with you when... Before the world was. Can you say that? No. Can anyone else say that? No. Why did John record this prayer in chapter 17 and the other gospel accounts didn't record it? So that we would know that this is the Christ, the Son of God, 
that by believing you might have life through his name. All his trials that were recorded in chapter 17, what did we get over and over and over again? That he's not guilty, that he's not guilty, that he's not guilty. We saw that. I find no fault in him. No one could find fault in him as you look through the trials and we studied that together. Look at chapter 18, verse 38. I find no fault in him, the end of the verse. This is the same Jesus, chapter 19. Pilate then took Jesus. He scourged him. You come down to verse 6, end of the verse. Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. He made every effort to release him in verse 12. None of that happened. And then what did we come to in chapter 19 when we came to verse 20? Let's take a look at it. 19, verse 20. Actually, go back to verse 19. This is Jesus the Nazarene, the King of the Jews. Therefore, many of the Jews read the inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And what had happened in this situation earlier? And I didn't read it. Jesus Christ said, it is finished. What's finished? Salvation. And then last week we were in chapter 20. And Thomas said, I won't believe unless I see. I won't believe unless I'm able to put my hand in the nail prints. I won't believe unless I'm able to put my hand in his side. And when Jesus appeared there, you remember, he says, Thomas, look. Look at the prints. And what did Thomas come to say? My Lord and my God. Why have all, all of this been written? Why has all this been written? Chapter 30, I mean chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, where we began this morning, and we just summarized it for you. All of this was recorded by John. All of this preaching has been done over the last four years. Why? So that you, put your name there, might come to believe. Have you kind of believe that Jesus is the Christ? You say, I'm still not sure, Pastor Dan. What in the world evidence do you need? It is only the Holy Spirit that can open up your heart. You have had all the evidence of the signs and miracles that were done to make you come to believe, not make you, but show you so you could believe. You have seen all that has been recorded in 20 chapters by the Apostle John, so that you could have the evidence and see and come to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, so that you could have life. Why? Because if you remain in the state you're in without you coming to believe, you will die in your sins. And you will be without excuse because the evidence has been laid out by the Apostle John. It's with you. You say, I still have my doubts. You better pray because you're not sure of your next breath. You might die by the time you walk out of this room. And that's not to threaten you. It's to knock some sense into the reality of your thinking. All the evidence that you have had of the simple miracles, of the things recorded by John, where people who are old, were young, 
who had immoral lives, who had moral lives, some who came to a feast, some who were just following and got fed. All different situations. People who were servants, people who were leaders, people who were religious people, people who were not religious people, people who were rich, people who were poor. All of that was all recorded. You see from every different angle. We need life. We need eternal life. We need forgiveness of sins. And the only one that can provide it is Jesus Christ. And John's written it all so that you would come to believe. And as I said, you might be sitting here and saying, good review maybe. We look back at some of the things, good reminder of some of the things that Christ did. What are you doing with it, believer? You say, I can't believe 30 years ago. Have you still got the same zeal for telling others? Well, you know, I told all my family, I told all my friends. Do you get excited when you see somebody and you know that they haven't believed in Christ? Is that excitement still there to tell them? Let me even come home a little closer. When's the last time you opened your mouth to tell others that Jesus was the Christ. How long has it been? See, I don't know, it's been quite a while. Turn me to Romans chapter 10. You know, we are living in an easy society. You might think the economy's bad, you might not be happy with elections, you might be. You might be wondering, you know, where's things going with all the fighting that's happening in the Middle East again. Easily get discouraged and you're worried about all of that. You don't have anything to worry about if you know Christ. And the world doesn't need another president. The world doesn't need a better economy. The world needs a changed life from the inside out where the soul has come to trust in Christ. You've got a message of hope. And in John chapter 10, look at verses 8 and 9. For if we confess, what? With our mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart, the person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. And we know faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And in the same context, all those who call upon the name of the Lord, verse 13, will be saved. How are they going to call if they don't hear? You say, well, I'm a silent Christian. I challenge you. Are you a Christian? Because if you are, you cannot hold back when you love the Lord Jesus as we sang with all of your heart. You will have to tell somebody. John's been writing these things so that people would kind of believe that Jesus is the Messiah and some of us have the message of salvation and are afraid to talk about it. We're afraid to worry about what people think of us of the circumstances. Might God help us, who first loved us, who know him, 
to have a fresh zeal of wanting to tell others. John wrote everything that he wrote there in that account, and by God's grace has been preserved so that you and I can study it. And his whole focus, why did he not record all those other miracles that some of the others did? Why did he not record other instances that happened in Christ's life that others did in the gospel accounts, just so he'd be different? No, because his sole purpose was he wanted people to come to know his Messiah. And he recorded this so the people would believe that we would have that zeal so that others would hear the gospel from us, that they might come to Christ. Might God stir us up that way, and might you who are now accountable, if you haven't come to Christ, believe that, yes, Jesus is not just a religious person. He's the Christ, the Son of God, because you'll be given life through his name. Let's pray. Our Father in God, I thank you and praise you for everything that John has recorded in these first 20 chapters. I thank you that out of his own lips and his recorded word, we know the purpose of what he wrote. It isn't so people can just have a religious service. So people can feel good about themselves or see miracles done. All that he recorded was so that people would come to believe that Jesus is Christ, the Messiah, the anointed of God. Father, there's no doubt in my mind that in this audience, there are people that have heard this over and over again and have not yet come to believe. I pray that they might come to believe that Jesus is the Christ. They might examine the things that Paul, that John has presented. They might look at the evidence and that by your grace, the Holy Spirit would open up their heart. They would come to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and they might have eternal life. And I pray that you'd stir up the hearts of believers. Father, we do love you because you first loved us. We do have a lot to be thankful for and I pray that we do not lose sight of how great salvation is. We do thank you that you were so willing to send your son and thank you that you opened up our hearts to believe. But give us a zeal for the lost. Give us a heart of compassion that will see beyond all that's going on in the world and see that what people need is a changed life, not social life. And might we be bold with the gospel of Christ that others might come to believe. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.